Oh, let's go. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. What are you laughing at, TJ? Those texts are telling me to trust my eyes. They're terrible. <laughs> I don't like your optimism. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you try to inject a little bit of passion and fire this Saturday for OU Texas? How dare you, TJ Perry? Welcome into the Plank Show. Uh, I'm really pumped to be in studio. Our Brown O'Haver Studios on a on a Tuesday. Brent Venables will meet with the media coming up at 11.15 today. I'm really triggered, Josh. And I've I've started to write a couple of tweets to promote us talking about it. But now that I get on air, I just I want to check with a couple of people and 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 dot a few I's and cross a few T's because at the core of it, well, let's just kind of give a little teaser. How was your How was your Monday night? I thought Monday night football was fun. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest game we've ever seen, but I was in. Nice win for San Fran. Yeah, they needed it. It was a good Monday night. It was a good Monday night. How was yours, my friend? I uh, Monday nights are my favorite night. I didn't go to softball last night. I followed along on Twitter. So Monday nights, I I get to spend. Most of the evening with my eight-year-old, and I take her to her tumbling class, and we just have a night. Get a little dinner. It's been fun. And I'm on the call Wednesday night, so I'll have a better – for those of you – I man, I got some people mad at me. It's like, you're not going to do softball? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's October, man. I'm going to spend as much time with my daughter as I can be, before you know February gets here, and it's, and it's crazy town for me. But I'll be there Wednesday night. I'll be there every Wednesday. For softball, and I uh, appreciate everyone that gave me updates because sounds like Alex Straco really made an impact with a lot of people last night. Plus, I got to get in touch with my man JT Gasso so I can best understand this scoring system that we're going to be using on Wednesday nights. But no, dude, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I, I watched the game. I've, I've, I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because it's, it's a separate night. But I'm like thoroughly enjoying Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I don't know. I, well, and by the way, the Raiders play next Monday night against the Chiefs, so there's a pretty good chance I could hate them coming coming in next Tuesday. But um, yeah, it's a good night. It was a good night. But I, I I really spent the whole night angry, right? I really did because say everything you want about the game, the way that things played out. I mean, I listen, I've listened to about three different podcasts now, and one of them has just been enamored with calling players losers, and if that makes you feel better, fine. Wh- whatever you need. But there's and, – and I think we are blessed to have all the content that we do. I mean, guys, you don't understand. It's as hard as this is with a team that just got smoked and is sitting here at 3-2 and two, – it's not like our bosses, Casey and Brian, have said, guys, let's uh, shift away from that home of the Sooners this week. Let's kind of talk a little bit. I mean, no, it's we're committed, right? 24-7, 365. Um, the web, OU Insider, Sooner Scoop. I mean, it's not like they're going away. Everyone is committed to giving you coverage. We have great beat writers, Eric Bailey, Brian Aber. These are talented people, right, that cover this team. The TV guys do a good job. The Lee Benson's of the world, you guys always seem to give – Dino grief, but he's right there talking to Brent Venables every Sunday after the game. I mean, my point is you have 
you have a lot of incredible people that I don't think they're out here to BS you. But I got triggered whenever I heard a report, and maybe it wasn't necessarily a report. It was kind of a a, a fan opinion that caught a little bit of fire, and I'm just – Josh Helmer, I'm trying not to lose my mind over it. Maybe I'll leave it at that, and you and I can talk about it during the break. I'm not going to go Ted. I'm not going to tell you what the guy did when he walked in front of me at Newcastle Casino. Don't worry. We're going to get into this. But I I just think when things start – let me give you a comparison. Last year, when things weren't going well for Spencer Rattler and this team was still undefeated – Suddenly, everyone had a Spencer Rattler story, right? Or or reasons why they couldn't stand him. Oh, well, look at him and his gold chain and his diamond-encrusted earring. I heard he blew someone off on Campus Corner. I heard that he ignored a little kid at a restaurant that asked for his autograph. I heard that, you know, it's just all these things start snowballing downhill. And who's to say what's real and what isn't? But nobody stops to take that time to see, is this fact? Am I... Am I going, in fact, it got so bad with Spencer last year that you had, you had the, um, you had people saying, well, the college kids, they would know. I mean, you thought about when you were in college, you didn't know S about S. So anyway, the point being, I think sometimes Josh, we get in the business, not the Royal we fans included. Of we're so mad about something or something has us so triggered, we just go with it and don't even think about the repercussions of it, even if it's a small little thing. And in today's world, it just rolls out of control. And there's and even if someone steps out and says, I don't think that's true, then someone might stop and say, you don't know. I saw it. You don't know. Right. So, my point is, triggered, lash through it, I just, there's a lot of things you can say, but I think there's certain things that when they start getting out there, it questions things that don't need to be questioned. There's enough going on where you don't have to do that. that a good enough tease? We good? I, I like it. I mean, I'm triggered, dude. It's all I want to talk about. But I'm, I'm going to calm down a little bit. Calm down a little bit. Step. I'm going to step away. Step away for just a moment, and then we'll get into it. So one thing we like to do on a Tuesday is hash through the um, the press conferences from yesterday. We'll hear from Ted Roof, and we'll hear from the offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, coming up at 10 a.m. Thought both handled tough situations pretty well yesterday. I mean, there's not going to be a magical answer that comes out of a press conference, and there's not going to be anything that makes you feel better from what a coach says or from what a player says, right? In some instances, it might make you even matter. Like, I, I, I wonder, Carrie, I worry about you. I don't know if you should be covering player press conferences. <laughs> I mean, literally, anything anyone says is just going to make people matter, right? It's, it's just that's the reality of where we are. And any defense of it is just going to make people more triggered. So um, I don't know what can help any of this for Suter fans right now outside of seeing this team get back on the field and playing better. Outside of seeing some incredibly fundamental mistakes that were made 
fixed. We were we taped Coach's Corner yesterday, and we had Todd Bates and Bill Beanbow. And and Gabe and, and Coach Bates were talking about something play-related, and it was interesting to understand just the finite detail of how a play went from being what what could have been a short gain to maybe even a loss to a 60-yard touchdown because a dude was misaligned. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, really? One guy? But in this defense and what they're trying to do, that's the case because there's also part of me that's like, that one guy's going to stop them based on what I've seen so far? I don't know. But, again, it makes a difference. So, I just, Josh Helmer, I don't think there's anything you and I can say. I don't think there's anything BV can say. I don't think there's anything Jeff Levy, Ted Roof, I could go down the list. Players, I don't think there's anything anyone can say outside of just getting on the field Saturday and looking better and playing a competitive game and hopefully coming out with a win and putting yourself back in a position to where we can have conversations about, all right, can this team get rolling now that we've seen this and and do something special? Or are we going to come out here on Monday and have even further in-depth concerning conversations about where this program is headed in 2022. That's the only thing I think that's going to fix anything. Anything I say is, well, of course you're going to say that. You're a homer, right? That That's just the reality of where we are right now. Go win at the Cotton Bowl. Win at the Cotton Bowl, and a lot of things can yep. start to be forgiven. Turn around, beat Kansas next week. A lot of things can... Well, maybe not start to be forgiven. Sure. You could get things, get the arrow, get the compass pointed in a positive direction. In the Texas win, everybody feels great. If you can beat, just win over Texas. Just beat Texas. Look good doing it. Even if you lose a close game, if you just don't look totally discombobulated, would be a step in the right direction for Oklahoma right now. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the the media setting this week, what Lebby, what Roof, Frankly, what your head coach Brent Venables has to say doesn't matter a whole lot right now. No. What matters is what happens inside the Cotton Bowl come this Saturday. All right, you want to hit a couple of other um, stories here real quick because I don't want to – I just don't want to sit here and continue to – it's like my dog is digging holes in our backyard, and it's like you fill one hole and then all of a sudden he wants to start digging somewhere else. It's like, okay, all right, you think you've patched that up, buddy? Watch this. Yesterday, we got a little bit of interesting news um, involving <laughs> in, involving just maybe more of what the future is going to look like for either A, some mid-majors, or B, places with new coaches. And hit on this quick, grab a break, recap some Monday Night Football, and then I want to get to your Comfort Solutions text as well at 405-651. Three four three nine four zero five six five one three four three nine. Josh, multiple SMU players are planning to sit out the rest of the season, and their plan is to a preserve their red shirt, and then b enter the transfer portal. Now, it is absolutely. Tyler is in the middle of an interview in there. My man is going. Um. We've seen this, right? De'Eric King is a is a pretty good example. Did it whenever he sat out. I think it was after the OU game in 2019. Was sat out and 
and decided that he was going to transfer, ended up in Miami and, I mean, in all fairness, never really did anything. But it's it's not anything new. But is it concerning when you see a story like this and kind of try to take inventory of how challenging that's going to be anytime things go south? Now, again, again, this isn't anything new. We've seen it. But you're you're not talking about one or two guys. Listen to this list. Sophomore all oh, right. Can you roll that back up real quick? <laughs> Sophomore safety Isaiah in uh Wincobia. Chance Cromarty. Ride receivers Roderick Daniels and Jalen record uh, record. They'll enter the portal. However, two of them have said that they haven't decided whether or not they're going to transfer. And with the new NCAA rules, players will not officially be able to enter the portal until the season is over. So, in other words, they're like, "Hey, we're going to uh, we're going to make our intentions known that we're going somewhere else, and uh, we're going to do our best to preserve eligibility." Now, I don't think this is an NIL thing. In fact, I, you know, y'all, y'all can read a Darren Ravel tweet, not really cover college football, and think NIL. Here we go. No, this isn't an NIL thing. This is probably more guys that might be headed to play with their old head coach in a new place. So in Big Twelve country, you might want to be familiar with it. Um, they're basically sitting out to preserve their eligibility. We've seen it. We've heard it in the past. But Josh, I don't know if we've seen a laundry list of players like this. You know, it's four guys, right? You might be one guy, maybe a second guy here and there. We got four guys at once that are all saying we're out, and one of them was a pretty significant player. Boise State had their quarterback after the 2-2 two and two start for the Broncos decide to sit out and say he's done and he's going to transfer. I mean, this is, this is problematic long-term. Now, it's part of player empowerment, and you want everyone to have choices, right, and have opportunities, but – is this one of those unintended consequences of the four-game redshirt and the transfer portal reality whenever you have something like this? Yeah, of course it is. I I don't know how you stop it, though, unless you just radically change some, some rules. This is kind of the way some of this is going to go at times. Right. And it sucks, too, for a place like SMU where – you feel like you're starting to – and obviously it's a little bit closer to us because our man Calvin Thibodeau is down there. But you get a new coach that comes in, and now all of a sudden he has to deal with this. I can see you right now. I can see you guys working. Well, is this something we need to worry about? No, I don't think so. But it's just – this is the team that went out and felt like they were in a position to where they could compete for the American Athletic Conference Championship. Now you have four guys – that are sitting out with an opportunity to transfer. Uh, we got a lot of problems in college football, right? We still can't figure out when and if we're going to start the 12-team playoff, right? We still can't figure out you know, exactly what those rules are going to look like for tampering or the result of tampering in the transfer portal. Um, I, I mean, it's just it's the reality of where we are right now, Josh, with the opportunities and not quite open transfer yet, but with the transfer portal and the one-time transfer rule, this is going to become, I think, common more than we have ever imagined. Just like guys sitting out bowl games, right? When Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette sat out a bowl game, uh, there wasn't a lot of panic right away. It's like, oh, this will happen. 
And now all of a sudden it's commonplace. So commonplace that you have, you know, the 12-team playoff might be more of a result of these guys not playing in these major bowl games. But I no need to trend water over this. It's just it's a fascinating angle to where if you're not happy with the way things are going, it's another thing coaches have to manage, especially in a new place. And you can manage an offseason and tell Plank and Josh and everybody else that you've got a legitimate competition. And these guys, I mean, you're talking about contributors right right here. This, this isn't even a quartet of guys that weren't seeing the football field, right? These are just guys that said, you know what, eh, not the start to the season we want. We're going to save our eligibility and go play somewhere else. And there's really no guarding against that mm-hmm. at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's one more thing for people to think about, and there's plenty of examples of it. You mentioned Bachmeyer, and that list goes back to De'Ara King, and probably probably we're going to see some other players do the exact same thing. It's not going to be anything new. All right, let me rephrase that. It's not anything new, but it's also a situation that I think is going to continue to snowball as time progresses. All right, we'll hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line coming up here in just a bit. So yesterday was a three-hour show, Grinch Fest, Anger, however you want to put it, on what happened with Oklahoma on Saturday against TCU. Josh, when we come back, let's kind of dive into what we missed in college football this weekend and kind of how we've seen the the, the landscape shape uh, and adjust. Now suddenly Georgia plays a tight game against Missouri. Oh, they're not insurmountable. They're not unbeatable. Bryce Young is a little bit dinged up, and the Big 12 is flexing its muscle a little bit right now. We'll get into it all next right here on The Ref. Things I'm not ready to have crammed down my throat. You ready? I'm ready. NBA preseason. Just not ready for it. No need for it. It's already happening. Oh, my gosh. I, I so in doing some of these mad dog shows, they require some NBA segments here and there. And in working with Rick Camla a little bit, so I've ended up following a lot of NBA players at uh or sorry, NBA writers on Twitter. You know, you think some people are out of their mind when it comes to knee-jerk reactions in college football and the NFL. Maybe it's just because they've been away from the game for a while and the NBA hasn't had anything going on. I, so far, I, I, the Suns need to disband. Kawhi Leonard's going to win MVP. Um, uh, Blake Griffin is going to become the – the 2022 version, uh, 23 version of Dennis Rodman and what he's going to do at Boston. I mean, it's just calm down, people. Calm down. Anyway, speaking of knee jerks, are you noticing that a little bit more so? And maybe it's because the popularity continues to grow and people aren't – not a lot of people are, are treating college football anymore like it's the most inferior thing they've ever seen to the NFL – because I've noticed that a lot more in college football. Now, granted, we're on the side of a team that's given up almost 100 points in the last two weeks. But, I mean, I was just, for the first time this morning, getting ready for the show, I took a look at the updated top 25. And um, I, won't, I won't lie, I was kind of shocked to see that 
Georgia, even in, in a win, was made to pay a price because in a road game, in SEC play, they had a team play tight with them. It's like, that is unfair. How dare you allow a team to stay close with you? You're the almighty Georgia Bulldogs. We're dropping you a spot. It's like, they, they, they won the game, <laughs> had a few injuries. It, Missouri played out of their mind, but okay. Okay. Meanwhile, boy, we're so quick to drop someone, but unless someone loses in front of you, we are so incredibly slow to raise someone in the rankings. Like, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Penn State, and Utah, as well as Oregon, all moved up. But the only reason they did is because Kentucky and North Carolina stayed in front of them lost. It's just like, I'm having a hard time coming to grips with this right now. But I will say, of, of the things that I felt like we learned over the weekend, Josh, non-sooner related, uh, Clemson's going to be a problem. I re- I think, you know, whoa, is that me? Or is that these headphones? Headphones, never mind, I'm sorry. Um DJ Weungalale needed to improve, right? He was not good last year. And what did he do? He went out, lost some weight, got in great shape, looks really good. And give Dabo credit. You know, he lost both his offensive and defensive coordinators, and this team doesn't appear to have skipped a beat. Now, some of you would try to look at that as a negative thing. I would say it's part of, at least defensively, since he was there in 2012, Brent Venables created a pretty incredible culture for those dudes on that defensive side of the football at Clemson. And, oh, yeah, they've got three or four first-round picks that are still out there that he recruited playing on that defense. So that doesn't hurt either. But took away from Clemson that with Florida State's loss this weekend and having already beaten Wake Forest on the road, listen, I October 15th still going to be a battle, but I don't. I think they're running the table, Josh. I know that, you know, maybe I might be getting a little carried away here, but Boston College, mm, Syracuse has been better this year. That'll be fun, but I think they're the better football team. Notre Dame's been terrible, but I think outside of October 15th, Clemson's got a chance not only to win, but end up, well, obviously if you go undefeated, end up in the conference championship game, and I don't really know anyone. I mean, North Carolina's bounced back well after some early struggles, but I mean, are you worried about a, a Duke or North Carolina or, I mean, Miami's not very – I mean, who in the coastal side scares you right now that you could see in the conference championship game? Nobody. That was a big bounce back for them defensively too. Yeah. Because they sort of got torched by Wake Forest, but survive in advance, they did that. Sure. And one week later, they, they only give up 20 to a good Devin Leary-led NC State, upset-minded NC State, so – Uyunglele, you mentioned it, needed to improve, was flat-out disappointing a season ago, and so far he has improved. I'm, I'm with you. I, I Right now, I mean, maybe at Doak, I, I know that we're a little down on Florida State just because, of course, they lost to Wake Forest this past week, but that'll be a tough game. If Clemson gets out of that, though, then yes. Yeah, look they're probably, probably running the table, even with their trip to Notre Dame. Have you heard of the Scott Frost curse yet? Uh, what What is the Scott Frost curve? Teams that have beaten Nebraska have won one game since. Northwestern hasn't won a game since beating Nebraska. OU's winless. OU's winless since beating Nebraska. Georgia Southern has one win since beating Nebraska. The Scott Frost curse is, is fascinating. 
How about the curse of teams getting a little bit of hype and all of a sudden the bottom falls out? Purdue beat Minnesota this weekend. And you covering the Big Ten, Minnesota was the 21st-ranked team in the country and mm-hmm. suddenly getting a little buzz about, all right, you know, may- maybe P.J. Flex finally got those guys rowing the boat in the right direction. They get smoked on Saturday. Yeah, Mo, Mo Ibrahim's really good running back for them. Tanner Morgan looked like he was playing some of his best football. Morgan was somebody a couple of years ago when he was younger looked like he was – going to be a great quarterback in Minnesota that it's sort of just been okay up and down good in spots average in others and this was another one of those kind of average performances from him and Purdue who hasn't been great defensively really was good in this game Mm -hmm. defensively they they had the Big Ten uh, defensive player of the week came away with a couple of interceptions in that game and you're right Minnesota in a division that has not been littered with terrific football teams. I mean, you're talking about Wisconsin fired its head coach. Nebraska fired its head coach. Minnesota was thought that they would be a contender in the Big Ten West. Purdue sort of dark horseish in the Big Ten West. Ooh, but Well put. Nobody has sort of taken that thing outside of Minnesota before this past week and run away with it. Minnesota looked like the best team, and then, lo and behold, they get beat at home. And then there's this. I got my uh, lock of the week destroyed on Friday night whenever Washington no-showed against UCLA. Since USC and UCLA announced that they're leaving for the Big Ten, the schools are 5-0 and in conference play. Since Texas and Oklahoma announced they're leaving for the SEC, the schools are a combined 11-11 and in conference play. <laughs> Where's your pride, Pac-12? Stand up! Play your best ball against these teams. They're leaving you. Wild. So, anything else from this weekend that we didn't get to? Bryce Young's injury is something we'll be monitoring quite a bit for Alabama. I thought I thought Kansas State, it was kind of nice to actually see them back up. A good performance against Oklahoma with an okay performance against Texas Tech. Yeah, Martinez ran wild again. Just the roundup in the Big 12. The uh, – Firing at Wisconsin. What do you make of that? I saw a stat on this yesterday. Make sure I get it right. Since 2018, the only team Wisconsin was an underdog to in the Big Ten was Ohio State, which didn't seem right to me, but I started to dig back and realize that it was, and yet their coach is out. It means one of two things. By the way, wasn't Wisconsin the same school that cried foul whenever everyone tried to give their spring semester students that missed out on a season of COVID that quickly said, we're not honoring your scholarships. We can't budgetarily honor your scholarships. So we appreciate all you've done. Go enjoy your careers. And now they're able to come up with, I don't know what they agreed upon, but it was a $19 million buyout for Paul Christ. Yeah, I think it wound up being Again, $11 million. $11 million, Okay, Still a lot of money. I mean, that not going to go too crazy, but I'm pretty sure, Josh, that could help take care of a couple scholarships for softball players and baseball players if they wanted to stick around for another year. But, oh, no. Strong point you're making. That was a, a bad look then, and it looks worse with this now. I think two things. So with that, number one, I think they want to give Jim Leonard a chance to win the job. Right? Jim Leonard – 
is a very highly thought of coordinator, young up and coming coach, and I think he's got a chance to. I think he's got a chance to win that job. You know what? Um, Nebraska won over this over the weekend. They beat Indiana, and obviously everyone's on cloud nine in Nebraska because they won a conference game. But maybe Mickey Joseph trying to make a case, right? So maybe two interim coaches getting a chance. Second part of it too, though. Second thing. I think they have their guy in mind. So to me, I think Wisconsin makes the move, says we're going to give Jim Leonard every opportunity, and if Leonard says no, they're they're knocking on Aranda's door, unless the bottom falls out for Baylor this year. Barry Alvarez loves him some Dave Aranda. And now that he's seen what he can do in Waco, then suddenly it's, Let's get him up here. We can get him a big butt. He can do this defense, get this big budget. He'll be good to go. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. Colorado, not so much. When they hired Carl Durrell, it, it kind of made me wonder, did you not see how things went at UCLA? Right. And, and I'm all about second chances, right? I'm a fan of an NFL team who's giving a guy a second chance, but still. I mean, there's, there's times when things weren't working, and there's Carl Durrell at UCLA when things weren't working. It was terrible. But, yeah, I uh, – I was shocked, Josh, that he didn't give him the rest of the year. Because I feel like Wisconsin is constantly in that conversation of a team that is so well coached, but I guess he just couldn't recruit skill players. And that ended up being the end for Chris. Yeah, the Ohio State game, how, I mean, how much of a factor do you think that was? Just getting blitzed the way they did. a lot, a lot. So right now, real quick, before we break, if you're looking at the current openings in college football, Nebraska, um, I tried to type in to do this off the top of my head, and they gave me job openings. Both Nebraska and Wisconsin. <laughs> right. Arizona State, Colorado. I feel like I'm leaving someone out because there's been five. But of those four, which one says to you, yeah, I can go there and win? Which one says to you that's, that's the job that would be the most enticing? I think Wisconsin won, Nebraska two, Arizona State three, Colorado last. Colorado's a mess. And and you don't um you don't really know what your conference future is either. Do you agree with that? How would you rank it? Yeah, no, I agree. Wisconsin's one. But I See, I'm still a sucker for Nebraska. So Me kinda... too. Me too. The the NIL thing I think is going to be a game changer there. Yeah. The fan support is, look, it's amazing at Nebraska. So you've got all of that infrastructurally. But, again, at some point it comes down to what have you done for me lately? And by lately I mean, I don't know, 15 years or so. And Wisconsin's won a lot of football games, right? I mean, it's easily the best program of those four over the last decade and a half. Right. From the 405, by the way, I just happened to pop up the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Whiskey did this firing, so Nebraska didn't have a chance to get Leonard. That's actually a fair point. Jim Leonard's going to be a hot name this offseason. Um, I think if I was him, I'd, I'd want to stay around Big Ten country right now. Leonard was a name that got floated a little bit during the Oklahoma process as well. He's a talented young dude. All right, uh, let's hit the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Kind of dotting my I's, crossing my T's on my level of frustration about, um, I don't want to say a report, but 
some fan fiction that's out there, and we'll talk about it next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into The Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. This is the home of Sooner fans. Went a couple of these Air Comfort Solutions texts. have been pretty good so far today uh, from the 918. Watch Kansas's, Kansas's coach Lance Leopold. Sorry, now I'm now I'm doing the I'm doing the Pat McAfee Lance Leipold get wait hold on I think he's trying to say won't Kansas coach Lance Leipold to get the Wisconsin job would make sense right he coached spent some at time Wisconsin there. Whitewater also spent some time at Nebraska so I here's what's going to be fascinating I know that I know that this isn't a popular conversation to have but here we go. A lot of times when you're hiring a coach, you're hiring a younger dude. Lance Leipold's almost 60, right? And I I have no I think it's a great hire. Sometimes for people it's like, gosh, we need someone in their mid-40s to recruit and relate to these young men and and be able to go out there and I don't necessarily know if that's the case. And I'm sure there'll be some pushback from Nebraska and Wisconsin fans. But hey, Kansas is five and oh, right? For a team that probably I mean, let's let's be fair. It took a hooked field goal to and a dude missing three three chip shots in order for you to beat them. But you know, Kansas is still undefeated, and they run a fun offense. And Jalen Daniels, you know, sometimes it takes a good quarterback, right? Sometimes it takes a good quarterback to get you known and get you talked about. I mean, where would Jimbo Fisher be today if he didn't have Jameis Winston? Oh, he'd be nobody. <laughs> and I know a lot of you like to clown Jameis Winston now, but you know what? What did he accomplish without Jameis Winston? Now, your hope is that you continue to recruit and you bring in studs and things of that nature. But I just, I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's it's a challenge to recruit skilled players. Like Wisconsin and Nebraska, but if you go up there, if you're Randa or if you're Lance Leipold or if you're I don't know, name whatever coach has been linked to it, Jim Leonard, you know you hope you have a type of offense where you can get skill players. But yeah, that name's been been mentioned quite a bit. Um, <laughs> all right, from Clearwater sooner. If we could go back to winning really close games against bad to average teams and win eleven to twelve games, I promise not to complain anymore. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of people that probably feel that way right now. I asked a non-sports person this morning a question that's been kind of lingering a little bit. And I want to mention it today, but Josh, I want to pose it on when I'm really backloading the show this week, guys. I'm sorry. But we, we hear a lot about stripping it to the studs. Am I saying it right now? I think I used to say stripping it to the bolts or screws. Right? And you hear about 175, if that's the number, million-dollar facility that's being built. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Whoa. Hold on. Whatever you do, don't Google stripping it to the studs. Don't do that. Wow. Sorry, guys. Um. Rim Venables has talked about how <laughs> how that's a hard process, right? When you're telling people you've won, you've been really good. We had the quote yesterday that we 
that we talked about, uh, make sure I, I did right, that Andy Staples in his column had from, why did I just blank, um, that turnip seed, right? And it's a great quote. What's different here? They've not really felt any pain. They've been pretty dadgum good. They've been great. So when you have been good, great, right? You've played in 14 playoff games. You've played for national – well, 14 playoff games. You've been in the national championship conversation. Is is it necessary to just go in and – Strip it all down, right? And I asked a non, and because I'm, I'm of the belief that I'm gonna do, I'm gonna believe in whatever Brent feels needs to be done, what Thad feels needs to be done. I'm a believer. That turnip seed came in here and said, "Bro, this show, it's got to be done differently." I'm like, "Let's go. What needs to be done?" Right? He's, <laughs> he's a dude that even with all the success that we've had, I'm like, "What does it take? What do I need to do?" Hey, you guys just redid the studio in here. Not good enough. All right. What do we need to do? Um, the <laughs> Maybe Thad was the guy that told the people in Fort Worth, right? This express lane that you got to start things off, not good enough. What they do? They went there, redid it. But I just, I, I have a belief in Thad. I have a belief in Brent. I have a belief in Joe Castiglione. I believe. I believe, Josh Elmer. I freaking believe, man. No, no, dude. Do I have to do this? Do we have to do this? No, don't don't even respond. Jameis Winston was the quarterback for Jimbo Fisher when Jimbo Fisher coached at Florida State. Yes, we know that Johnny Manziel was at A&M. Johnny Manziel's coach was Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. Come on, people. I, I didn't wake – I mean, I'm going to screw a lot of stuff up. Anyway, back to the point. Back to the point. If, if you're just an observer – and you're a quasi-fan, not a diehard sports fan. And I went to you, and I laid this all out. Like I did this morning to a non-sports fan. And you've seen the evidence of what's happened the last few weeks. What would you say? How would you feel? And this, this I laid it out, Josh, just real quick. I told, I told this person, I said, you're 11-2 or what, 10-2, whatever it was last year. Right, you uh, struggled the year before, but still won a conference championship. You had won six straight conference championships. You know, went, went through the whole thing. You just built a new facility, but you need to build a newer facility. It's got to meet these specifications, and now you're struggling a little bit. Does it really need to be stripped to the studs every single week? And, and does everything need to just be imploded? I, imploded is a tough word, right? Imploded is a tough word. But in a lot of ways, that's you're, you change routines. I mean, for players, it's got to be tough. It's like, whoa, hold up here. I had, you know, 1,000 yards rushing, receiving, whatever it might be. I, I, I'm projected to be a first-round pick. Whatever. You know, I'm just throwing different things out there. This person that I talked to, not a diehard sports fan, looked at me and said, yeah, I think so. I don't know if what I've seen the last few years is dominating. I want to be a dominant. Sometimes it takes tough love. And 
there's going to be not fun times, right? But it's easy, and this isn't an anti-BV comment. This is just the reality of it. It's like, hey, do we really need to redo everything? Does everything really need to – does this carpet really need to be replaced in here? Does that really need to happen over there? Do we really need to move that there to practice it? And at the end of it, you're not trying to be on the level, even though Saturday it would have been nice, of what's going on in the Big 12. You're trying to be on the level of Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people in that building that might be sick and tired of hearing, well, this is how we did it at Clemson. This is how Nick Saban did it at Alabama. And even more so now when the results are like they are. But there's not a light at the end of the tunnel right now (laughs) based on what you've seen the last few weeks. But there is in the people that are in the position to get it where it needs to be. There's going to be pain followed by more pain. But in the same vein, you, you have three weeks of evidence that show you this team can make plays. Now let's figure out what happened in these last two where they couldn't. Long term, I think it's all necessary. Oh my gosh, it's 49.53. I'm sorry. We got a break. It's a plank show right here on The Ref.